You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour, episode nine of our fifth season. I'm Joe Mays. Sitting next to me is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back, and it's hard to believe we're, we're through August already, uh, into September now, right? So. Yeah, it's September 1st. Happy September. As, Happy- I told, as I told the kids on Thursday, first month down. <laughs> first month is over, guys. Yeah, they kind of gave me the same glare. Yeah, they- I, I picture that you would typically, but you know, you know how it is. Yeah, that, well, you, we said it at West then that week too, and they they did not find it funny. So. No, no, but it's which a, just honestly makes me enjoy it more. Right, so. it makes it funnier to us. Yeah. So you know, whatever. But well, welcome back to the show. Uh, you know, happy start of meteorological fall. I know uh, my daughter that's will tell a, me that's not a thing. that is a real thing. Climatologically <laughs> speaking, September first is the start of fall. So don't at me, but. Fall is the best season of the year. I don't know oh, why people are disappointed. Fall is the best season. I, of the it's year. like I, I agree. I, I know there's plenty of people that are gung ho on summer, and I get it. You know, especially when you're a kid, summer's amazing. Yeah. But like looking at it, everyone knows that the fall, the last four months of the year, are by far the best months of the year. Okay, now you're stretching it out a little bit far. I don't September know. September through last... December, absolutely. I'd say it end. It caps at the end of November. No, no, no. <laughs> you can't forget December. December, December rules. So, but September's here, and uh, well, the way the t- team ended August was pretty good. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, um, a lot of fun, and we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about it on the show because, well, it's actually it's been a while that we've been this happy at the beginning of the season, if, if you can believe it. With how good Wilson is historically, it's actually been a few years since we've been in the situation where we can say, "Hey, Wilson's two and zero." Yeah, and we we talk about this a lot, and people actually ask us about this a lot, but we um. We have fun kind of sitting down and talking about it a lot, you know, on away games. Not so well, actually, due to traffic in Shillington, a little bit after this away game, too. But, um, you know, we like talking about football, going to the games. We talk about football on the way from the games. We talk about football, texting each other all week long. Like, that's essentially what drives our conversation on and off of camera. Well, and I mean, but it's a lot more fun to talk about, like, Winning when when it's going well, yeah. <laughs> it's going really well. Yeah, and I shared that was last Monday. Someone asked me how to go. I was like, uh, it went great. But to be honest, it's a lot more fun when it's going great. So, um, well, I mean, really, the reason we started our original show, the show that we still do when we don't have Wilson football to talk about, the, the Joe Mays and J Raff show, which we started way back in February 2011, essentially oh was God. we talk about sports a lot. Maybe we should, you know, put it out there and see if anyone else agrees with us or would latch on. And, you know, there's moderate success in viewership on that show. But when we brought this one back, now this is our fifth season. Uh, this one kind of gained traction quickly. And now it's starting to really pick up. And it really only originated both of them because, well, we talk about this stuff anyways. Like, yeah, texts, phone calls, like everything. We share stories. Like, well, let's just put it out there and, uh, let other people hear what we have to say. No, maybe you won't like what we have to say, but hopefully you do. And uh, well, anytime you're talking about a, a Wilson destruction of Mifflin, people are going to be happy to hear us talk about it. So, well, some people, 
but most yes. of people, I think people watching the, the, the show, people viewing, I, yes. I would yes. think the people watching the show, I mean, I don't know if you're a Mifflin alum or a Mifflin fan, if you want to be watching the show ever, but especially after Friday night, I don't think you want to be watching the show. Yeah. I, I like uh, the text you got on Friday as we were sitting in traffic waiting to come home. Uh, <laughs> Proud to be a bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> Proud to be a bulldog, yeah. yeah. That would be from my brother-in-law, who is a uh, Mifflin graduate, but lives in Wilson now. And, and I've always been saying, I was like, you got to give up those Mifflin ties. Your son's going to go to Wilson. You live in Wilson. It's over. And, uh, you know, this this week every year is a little bit back and forth. But uh, after the result, he sent that text. Yep, yeah, proud to be a bulldog. <laughs> you know, LOL. Yeah, so, but that's how we're all feeling. So it's been, yeah. it was a great, great weekend. But uh, let's get into it. We, we started, we did this at the end last week. So we're going to do this at the start, uh, especially because we have a new show sponsor this evening. So we want to thank uh, Topher's 10th and Elm Cafe for joining uh, the support of the Bulldog Hour, also with my dad at May's Sandwich Shop and our two anonymous donors. We appreciate the support that all these uh, people and businesses have given to us for our fifth season here in 2019. Again, May's Sandwich Shop, Topher's 10th and Elm Cafe, and our two anonymous donors. There are plenty of ways that you can support us. Uh, sponsorship and advertising is one way, or donations. The website, definitely check bulldoghour.com. There's a lot of stuff there to uh, keep you informed on the program and all the happenings surrounding the program. And then also social media, spreading the word. Make sure you like and share. Uh, in addition to the sponsors of the Bulldog Hour, I also want to thank uh, the individuals, uh, Ted and Jeff, who donated to uh, the, the live streams this week. They, they appreciate the contribu- uh, the uh, being able to watch the games. And I just said, you know, if anyone is interested in sponsoring it, uh, you know, let me know. And, and they reached out and uh, they donated and, and helped uh, defray the cost of doing those weekly live streams. I do want to thank um, Justin Burke, Wilson alum. He's class of 2013. He played on the Wilson football uh, 2012 district championship team. He coaches with us out at West. He is the guy that runs up and down on the sidelines with my iPad to uh, to broadcast the game. So, uh, he has been uh, the guy behind the camera now for uh, last, well, this is the third season. We started this back in 2017, I believe actually in week three against Central Dolphin in 2017 is when these kind of took off, and he has been the guy helping us. Uh, so I do want to mention uh, Justin Burke and uh, thank him for helping us the last few years. Of course, I mentioned that he won't be at the game Friday this week, but we'll have a pinch hitter with us uh, this Friday. Yeah. Um, I think it might be uh, Corey Grath who helps us out at West as well. And uh, if you saw pictures from the Red Eagle, you saw Mr. Grath in the background uh, doing his best uh, touchdown impersonation as uh, Avanti trotted into the end zone. And we'll see video from that very shortly. Our next live show will be a week from now, probably in the evening, our normal time of 8.30, and we'll be recapping Game 3 against Spring Forward and previewing Game 4, which will be back at Gursky against Mannheim Central. All right, and real quickly, just to throw up that, uh, that annual schedule here, what's happening in 2019, we are completely done with the left side now. Heat Week through Governor Mifflin over, and I'm not sure it could have gone any better. Because they look great against Parkland in the scrimmage, and you beat Central Dolphin, you beat Governor Mifflin. I mean, that's basically a perfect slate. Yeah, they, you know, they they move through those, um, starting to come together a little bit. You know, we talked about after Central Dolphin, we talked about things that we'd like to see and um, things that we thought were going really well. 
they were able to build on that this week. You know, and you know, a theme throughout this is probably going to be to build on that to go into next week. But we're going to be looking for some different things next week. But that's for a different part of the show. So. Oh yeah, for sure. So we will get to the Spring Ford preview again. That's this coming Friday, September sixth, down in Roars Ford. We will preview the matchup with uh, the other Rams that we're playing this year at the end of this show. But up first is going to be our recap of. The Mifflin game. Let's get to some statistics before we get to the video and our player of the game. And, uh, well, I guess I should have that up. All right. So, I mean, it was complete domination by the Bulldogs Friday yeah. evening. Uh, I There's no real way to you, – you can't say it any other way. There was very little to not like, at least as a spectator – and we'll talk with uh, Coach Doms gave us some things he'd like to see improve, but... Yeah, he had a list. He had a list, <laughs> but, you know, that's what the head coach is supposed to do. Right. But, you know, through the first three and a half quarters, Wilson played a nearly flawless game. The only time Mifflin, and this was the majority of their starters still, could penetrate Wilson, either stop them defensively or score, was against w Wilson's JV team. Like it wasn't even, you know, your backups. It was legitimately the, the Wilson JV team. And, you know, uh, it was just an incredible performance all around top, top to bottom. It's just everyone, everyone performed the way they needed to. And, um, it, uh, it was surprising. I, I, I went on record to a few people saying that I expected Wilson to win by three touchdowns. You know, I was predicting 31 to 10. I just thought the way, Wilson was playing. They had gotten the Central Dolphin monkey off their back. They showed how powerful they are in the trenches. And knowing that Mifflin was finding new starters there, I didn't know that they could handle what Wilson was going to throw at them. And that was even more true than I thought it would be. Yeah, when I was watching some of the plays, you know, plays that looked like they – when we were on offense, uh, when it looked like maybe, you know, it was stuff for nothing, were like two and three yard games because our offensive line was moving the line of scrimmage that far. You know what I mean? So, like, it looked like they were getting met at the line, and in reality, they were getting two or three yards. Um, and in defense, we kept resetting that line of scrimmage back a couple yards every time, and that makes that um, – you know, there's a lot of timing in every offense, obviously, but there's a lot of timing and everything that needs to and misdirection. Well, when one side of the line is getting blown up, or if people are coming through, or the ends are crashing in, like it makes it hard uh, to get that deception from the offense that Mifflin's running. Um, and Wilson was able to contain it very well. And the the discipline was, for the most part, I thought was very very good. Um, you saw some guys who were maybe on on the far side you know, and the ball's kind of going away and they stay home and the ball comes back to them. You know, like that's the kind of stuff you need because it just takes one of those like collapses or one of those that you're not really paying attention to. Um, you know, one little lapse and next thing you know, somebody could be gone, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards down the side and that could change everything, especially early on, you know, so to, to maintain that focus, um, you know, when, when Wilson jumped out early, I started thinking they need to keep going because I just remember back to um, two years ago when we visited, it was the flip, like Mifflin's yep. came out and kind of got a few, 
not necessarily super early scores, but in the first half they were scoring. And then next thing you know, they're up, I think 21, nothing. Yeah. And then Wilson comes back and it looks like they're driving, but things kind of stalled out. But I was like, I can't, I don't want that to happen. I don't want, you know, just keep it going. And they were able to keep it right. going. I, th- I think it said when I was reading up, like Wilson scored on their first eight possessions. Like, yeah, it, I, I believe you're correct. They did not attempt to punt until deep into the second half. I don't think Caleb, the main punter, got to punt ever. No. Actually, they may have only punted once, and it was blocked. Right, and this yeah. is, you know, and Wilson had to take a timeout to get the JV punt team on, and then right. that's what ended up happening. That's how Governor Mifflin got their second touchdown. But I mean, it was complete domination. Uh, there's no no other way to say it. Wilson came out fired up. Governor Mifflin elected to receive the opening kickoff to, instead of deferring to the second half. They wanted to uh, see what they could do against the Wilson defense, and it was nothing. Right. They they you know forced a three and out. They got a punt. Wilson scored, kicked off, forced I believe forced another three and out. Got the ball back again. Scored like it it was that kind of game. Mifflin yeah. had just a couple well, first and, downs and a couple like one of the early possessions they they had a backed up like you know it was like third and really long i say really long, not like 30 yards or anything but it might have been third and more than 10 or at least close to 10 and uh they can comp- we completed the long pass you know mm-hmm. like a 30 yard pass or so like to brady yeah i believe so it was actually like 41 it, it could have been like yeah that. but like it, it's one of those where that's when you start thinking well you know you, you need you don't need some breaks like that always but it certainly helps when that you are getting some of those so it, it was just nice to see um everybody kind of did what they were supposed to do again we we talked about it in central dolphin like not necessarily expecting um to get the ball at your half yard line you're in my mind i'm just thinking let's just get out to right. even midfield and punt it you know make mm-hmm. them have to go the whole way well they just kept it they never gave it back um I, I was confident in, in the groups up front on both sides of the ball, but you just never know how it's going to go. Um, and I, I was glad that they, they didn't seem content with uh, the win over Central Dolphin. That, like that was one, one of the things I mentioned to you before was like I, I'm confident that if Wilson show, shows up, I was saying this before the game, if, if Wilson shows up that I feel like they're going to be fine. However, I, you know, it, it's high school football, you know, and I'm worried that they're going to think, well, we just beat Central Dolphin. Right. And not that they're knowingly doing this, not that they're, you know, decidingly saying like, oh, well, this game isn't as big. Like, that's not what I mean. But just if you lose some of that edge going into the next week, it can change everything. Well, I, and this dates back to our interviews with the senior players talking about this is a group leadership effort. There isn't necessarily one guy Correct. that's stepping up. And what's nice is that Each and every game, they're buying into, you know, what is seen as cliches in coach speak, but they find a chip on their shoulder for every opponent. Central Dolphin was easy. We hadn't beaten them since 2014. This senior class had never beaten them. They knew what was at stake. You know, you got a couple guys that have played since their freshman year. They've never beaten them. They wanted to beat them. It doesn't happen at Wilson. Right. And they made sure it didn't happen. And then they, they remembered, yeah, okay, so we beat Mifflin last year at home. But, hey, we've never beaten Mifflin at Mifflin. And that was what they were latching onto this week. They want to make sure that they're celebrating their senior season every single week. And I mean, it's, it's certainly refreshing. It's, it's amazing to see. And I'm glad that they're, I don't want them to buy too much into themselves. No matter what the score is, no matter who the opponent is, if you get that victory, 
reset the next week and sh- try to show everyone that, you know, we need to win this week to uh, continue this trend and to get to where we need to be. Right. And, uh, you know, I, that's what I hopefully they're going to uh, this week the same way against Springford. Now they've beaten Springford twice. Springford hasn't beaten Wilson. But you know they're going to have that fire coming to, to beat Wilson. Right. Like, yeah, like, you know, we're a couple weeks in. Not that you've, it's football. There aren't as many games. Not that you're going to fly under the radar or anything. But you know you're going to be they, – they want so badly to beat you. Um, Springford – is going to have that target. Like we mentioned, they're going to be a little different, um, different style than what we've seen. Yeah. But like, it's just one of those things where, <laughs> and even though they, they just proved to me this past week that like, they didn't overlook anyone They you know, they were ready to go all that stuff. You know, when we get down to Royersford next weekend, um, I'm probably going to be standing there thinking too, like, man, I hope they're ready to go. I know, you know like, but, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's, and that's not. I don't mean that about them. It's that's, not detrimental to it's, them. It's a me problem. It's an anxiety. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an us thing. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be anxious about it every single week. But the best thing is that they are cool under pressure going into it with high expectations, or maybe with people having low expectations of them. Right. They seem to be uh, calm and resilient. And I hope they take this week to week like the coaches always want them to because so far it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, l- let's talk about the stats of Mifflin before we get to the highlights from Mifflin. I don't even think – I'm not sure we've said the final score, but it was no. 61 to 14. That's the most points ever scored by one of the teams in the rivalry. Wilson previously, previously has scored 60 against Mifflin twice. 61's the most ever by either team. Um, up until the middle of the fourth, it was slated to be the biggest victory by either team in the rivalry. And then uh, Mifflin got those two touchdowns at the end. The biggest victory is from the 1989 Wilson team that beat Mifflin 49 to nothing. And, um, but it, it just was completely in control, never in doubt, a Bulldogs victory all the way, 61 to 14. Uh, got three touchdowns at the beginning from Avante Lockhart. First was a 29-yard pass from Caleb Brown. The next two were runs by Avanti. Uh, in between two Brady Gibble touchdown receptions was a Mason Leonard run. He then opened up and basically finished the scoring for the varsity squad. Uh, for the first-team squad, the starters, uh, with a 65-yard run on the first offensive play for the Bulldogs in the second half. And then... Um, some seniors and uh, young guys got to score uh, the next two touchdowns, and then uh, Mifflin's got those two scores late in the fourth to even it uh, 61-14. to 14. But like you mentioned, second half, Wilson scored 19, only playing their starters one drive, and Mifflin scored 14. So even in the second half, using everyone at Wilson's disposal, getting some young kids, some meaningful playing time in a varsity game. We talked about that. In past years, when we've had those opportunities, that leads to experience for the next round of guys. You know, like um, it was interesting. I this is a little off topic, but related. Um, you know, we listen to the Unrivaled podcast a lot, and uh, Michael Parsons was the interview this year, and they were talking about uh, you know some of his um, adventures through high school football and things like that. And they were talking about um, you know his senior season, and he talked about how. 
the team he was playing for, Harrisburg, was blowing a lot of teams out. And so he only had to play half. So he's talking about just how fast the season went. That's something we talk about a lot is how yeah. quick the season goes. And he, he was acknowledging that, but he was saying how much faster it went that year because he only ever got to play half of games. Yeah. He wasn't playing in the second half of almost any of their games, not just him, but other guys too. And he's like, you know, as a high school kid, that's tough to kind of take sometimes. But it, it was exciting because it meant they were successful, but it was just – one of those tough things. Um, yeah. Like being able to get the experience for that next wave of guys. And some of those guys that don't always get on the field or get the experience. Cause you never know when you're going to need them. You hope it's not until, you know, their time comes, but you never know when you're going to need somebody to step up and play. It didn't help Mifflin that they kind of a little bit were their own undoing or gave Wilson extra motivation for doing things that they're, their fans are known to do in the Wilson Mifflin rivalry as uh, we saw that they had a, whether they purchased it or stole it, I don't know a uh, bulldog country flag that they had spray painted an X on and written wrote by week on, mm-hmm. which um, it certainly felt like a buy, but not in the way that they had hoped. And uh, as Zach's pointing out uh, apparently, and uh, you alluded to this a little bit to me in private, that once again, Mifflin students were driving through Wilson, stealing the Bulldog statues that you can buy at like Lowe's and Home Depot. Uh, Apparently, Zach says that they were spray painting them to be Mifflin colors. That could, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know why, like, you know how much dislike I have for student sections in general because yeah, not this is not specific to this game. It is it's one well, it no, it, it's thing. not and it's not even only like ones that Wilson plays against. Like the Wilson no, student section at times over is, the years has gotten on my nerves because they don't understand when to do certain things sometimes. Right, right, right. Um, but this is not a reflection on the Wilson student section. I'm talking about kind of fans in general, the student student sections just you got to understand when to do some things, when not to do some things. And I don't think stealing property and, you know, doing things that are going to motivate the other team ever help your team. Like, you're not helping the team. Right. Now, people will be like, well, if they would have won, like, it would be fine. But they didn't, and Mm -hmm. it was kind of embarrassing what happened. And now you just have all this fuel, and I don't know. That's just not something that you ever want to do. First of all, you're breaking the law. <laughs> so, you know, and we've, we've seen over the years that um, sometimes they don't make the smartest decisions because two years ago they took a picture of their own license plate and posted it, and I don't think that went well for the individual that posted that. Uh, so maybe stop doing that, you know, because obviously it's not working. Yeah. Um, you know. But our, our guys are ready to go. Whatever the, you know, as as I was standing there on Friday night, I'm talking to you about how I just hope the guys are ready to go. But the second part of that, I was like, you know, it's Mifflin. So I, I expect them to be ready to go. I don't expect them to not be prepared. You know right. what I mean? Like, it again, it's those things. Like, all the stuff I'm, I'm seeing and, and know tell me they will be fine. But that doesn't calm my anxiety at all. Right. So. No. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, so stats, you got 61 to 14. First downs, Wilson 20 to Mifflin 6. Net rushing yards, 312 to 116. And a m- majority of those Mustang 116 was well after the game had gotten out of control. Wilson passed for 141 yards to just 34 for Mifflin. And uh, total offense, 453 to 150 in favor of the Bulldogs. Uh, yeah, just, it's just incredible. Wilson had the one interception. And uh, penalties were 
fairly even. Wilson ended up with seven for 54 yards. Mifflin had six for 52. Possession time, actually not all that different. Wilson had had a slight advantage by a few by about two minutes, but uh, not a huge discrepancy. Bulldogs defense held on seven of eight third down conversions, which was great again. And more importantly for the Wilson offense, they were four for four in the red zone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just a great performance. I- individual performances, individual statistics, like, like I said, uh, or will say in the interview, uh, Mason Leonard had just three rushes, but he made them all count. 110 yards and two touchdowns, a uh, long of 65, averaging over 35 yards per carry. I mentioned after things had gotten out of hand and Leonard and Lockhart were done, Jaden Jones came in and I said to people on the sideline, I was like, like in terms of experience, it's a step down, but in terms of talent, it's not that big of a drop off because Jaden Jones is an incredible talent at running back. So I didn't think Mifflin was going to fare that much better. Sure. He was had some backups and JV players on the line. So maybe that helped Mifflin a little bit, but all he did was carry seven times for 88 yards and a touchdown, including a 30, the 30 yard scamper on fourth down to score. Yeah. And th- at that point, everyone just kind of threw their hands up in the air. Like, I don't know what to do. Like this isn't anymore. We're not trying to run this down your throat. We're not trying to rub it in. We're obviously this coaching staff is not trying to run up the score, but you're not able to stop us doing anything. Right. It, it just, at that point, we just knew that this is just, this team is just that much better. Right. Which is great to see. So, uh, Caleb Brown, the quarterback, also had 64 yards rushing. And Avante, we mentioned he had two rushing touchdowns, and he picked up some uh, of the tough yardage, getting 50 total rushing yards on the night. Uh, Caleb Brown, he only completed five of his 12 passes, but those also counted 132 yards, three touchdowns, with a long of 44. And there were a couple of really close ones there, too. That yeah, have just really yep. added to the yardage, um, but were just off. And, yeah, you know, just, those are things that, like, Honestly, and this will sound kind of crazy, but if you look back at Central Dolphin, they missed on some long ones by maybe a few yards. You know what I mean? Like the timing looked off by a few yards on some of the shots they took downfield. Um, on Friday night, I feel like they were off by inches. You know yeah. what I mean? Like so, yep. when you when you look, that's trending in the right direction, and I think um, you know his confidence was building. Um, yeah. So I again, I, I'm pleased with that. And I'm I'm sure that even though the numbers would say five of twelve, it it felt much more efficient than that. So, so yeah, the um, who was oh the 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 couple passes that I can remember. There's one just just over the outstretched hand of uh, Alex Gibble, mm-hmm. and then there's another that um, that Brady just couldn't reel in in the yeah. end zone. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good performance. Caleb looked. Uh, more calm in the pocket. His he was able to do some stuff with his legs, and he connected on a few nice deep balls. So. Yeah, well, that one to to Brady was that a fourth down? The long pass to Brady. I don't think it could have so. been third. It I think it was third. a third. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think you're right, but um, that was that was a beautiful catch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, it it's hard to say that. Uh, Anything didn't go Wilson's way. But yeah. defensively speaking, uh, Adrian Santana and Avanti Lockhart led the way with four total tackles. Uh, Nate Keller had three, two of them for loss, including a sack. Adam Venino also had a sack. And uh, we had the interception from Mason Leonard, uh, contributing not just on offense, but on defense as well. So all around, just an incredible performance. So let's take a look at some of the highlights from 
from Wilson's victory over the Mustangs. And we're starting right away after the opening kickoff right here on defense. We're going to see Mason Leonard fly up the field, hit the quarterback who fumbles. Now Mifflin would recover at the two, but Wilson would force a punt. And on the series immediately after that, we're going to see Caleb Brown find so this was what, Avanti. Third, third and 13. Yep. And he just refused to quit, right. wouldn't go down, and gets the touchdown. That put Wilson up and kind of set the tone immediately. You force yeah. him to go three and out. They think they have you stopped in a third and long, and uh, they just said no. Right. That, that, that could swing momentum right back, but it didn't. And after another Mifflin punt, Caleb Brown called I his thought, number on, on an RPO. Even after the stumble, I honestly thought he was going to outrun them. Or on, or on a read play, he picked up a big uh, gain rushing, and then they gave it to Avanti again, and this time again. like just, He just refused to go down, yeah. getting into the end zone again for his yeah. second touchdown of the night, first rushing touchdown. Driving him up near the shoulder pads and swinging him around was not real effective. And now you're going to see the third and uh, like 18. Yeah. And uh, Brady Gibble hauls this one in at the 20. The Mifflin change gangs insisted that he didn't catch that ball, though I had, you had video and I had photography that proved otherwise. Yeah. And here I we like see the patience there too. Avanti, yeah, just waiting, waiting and finding the end zone. He gets touchdown number three. Wilson goes up 21 nothing early second quarter. And well, that wouldn't be the end of things, clearly, as the Wilson defense would get involved on a sack here not knowing what to do on the rush from Nate Keller. After a punt, Wilson gets the ball back, and now we see the Brown to Gibble connection again. This one for a touchdown, putting Wilson up 27 to nothing. Uh, I believe a botch snap and hold uh, meant the uh, extra point failed. But it's 27 nothing. Just a couple plays later, Wilson recovers a Mifflin fumble, and they would still try to get more before the half was out. And this one is going to be to Mason Leonard, who's going to take the run all the way to the end zone. And he looked fast all night. Yes. All night long, Mason well, looked there, quick. He didn't have the angle. Like, he didn't have the angle. The guy, the, the tackler had the angle, and he just beat him to the spot. Right. So, Bulldogs now up 35 to nothing after the two-point conversion by Nate Hoekstra. The next possession, Mason Leonard this time picks off the pass, takes it back into Mifflin territory. And he would set up what would be Brady Gibble's second touchdown of the night. And it would be the final scoring for Wilson in the first half. Is you're going to see Brown to Gibble on a little little quick hitch screen pass. Great block. Yes. Flies up the sideline. Dives with the pylon. Gets in. Touchdown. Wilson goes in at half up 42 to nothing. Now, this is the opening offensive series for the Bulldogs of the third quarter. Give the Leonard... 65 yards gone, making people miss, and just showing off his speed, outracing everyone. And uh, that would be his second of the evening. He would let everyone know that. And Wilson would be up big again, 55. Or would no, it wouldn't be 55 yet. It was a 49. And then we get to see the senior, Eamon Kenny, taking a Nick Williams pass in for the score. And now the Jaden Jones run that we talked about earlier on fourth down, fourth and 11, fourth and 12. He goes off the left side, 30 yards to the house. And I believe that was Wilson's final touchdown. Did that put him up 61, I think? Yeah, Kenny got him to 55. Jones got him to 61. And now we get to see here Mifflin against the Wilson JV defense. 
nice play by Tomeo though to uh to what i thought he was down at the one or two they called it a touchdown um and then jv punt uh cameron stewart from mifflin yes yes. cameron stewart gets the block scores that in the end zone but there you go final score 61 to 14 in favor of the bulldogs all around great performance special teams offense defense great to see it's what we want to see and uh yeah, not much else to say about that. No, they took care of business. They did what they should do. The offensive line we knew coming out of week one is strong. They went out and proved that they were strong. Uh, we knew that the running backs, that they're talented and deep at that position. And we proved, I believe, again, that they're talented and deep at that position. Yeah. Um, I I liked some of the things we saw from uh, Caleb and the receivers. Again, another you know, receiver, another spot where they have some depth. You know, there, there's multiple options. Um, didn't they were able to run the ball again? Like, and it's one of the things that we're starting to notice when you can run the ball, it starts to open up all kinds of different options. Um, and that's gonna that ties in a lot of different things, you know. But it it is interesting to kind of see how that when that gets going, um, how that can set up all kinds of success. And on defense again, just playing that discipline and. Um, you know, being able to um, make sure that you're doing your job, you you play your role. It's it can be really tough when you're going against that Mifflin defense because a lot of times you may think you know what's coming and you're gonna. Well, if I just go here, no. Listen, the the defense is set up to stop as a team to stop this play. You need to play your assignment and then trust that everyone else will play their assignment and you'll be fine. Um, and Thankfully, that's how it kind of played out. But sometimes it, it all it takes is if the wrong person at the wrong time doesn't play their assignment, um, they can exploit that pretty quickly. So Now, because of the victory, we got to talk to players and coaches after the game. So we're going to hear from the running backs, Mason Leonard and Avanti Lockhart, defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber, and head coach Doug Doms. All right, we're pre- post-game after a Huge Wilson victory over Governor Mifflin. And before I forget, I'm going to walk out here so they can actually talk into the microphone. And joining us now are the two significant contributors in the backfield, though we saw a lot of guys carry the ball tonight. The main guys are senior Avanti Lockhart, junior Mason Leonard, and guys over and I'm going to yards rushing after a fierce battle against Central Dolphin last week. Come out and do this against Mifflin. You know, what did you see in the week leading up in practice? Uh, did you think you were going to be able to rumble like this? Pretty much, yeah. We saw that we were weak. They, they were weak up front and that we could just dominate them from the start. We got some big boys on the line, and they're strong, and they block good for us. Not much like it. Yeah, it was pretty good. So, um, Mason, you actually you only got the ball, according to these stats, three times, but you scored or you rushed for 110 yards, averaging 36.7 per carry, scoring two touchdowns. Avanti, you got the tough yardage. You got the rock 10 times for 53 yards, but you got – Two on the ground and one through the air, and you had one called back. Uh, I know you were flashing the four up on the way as you walked in, but it's tough. But, you know, what do you guys have to say about the team after the first two weeks? We just got to keep improving week by week. I think we're looking good, but, yeah, we got to keep on improving. And what's one thing that you think you need to improve going into the spring forward in week three? Uh, I think we need to do a better job wrapping up on defense uh, and finishing blocks on offense. It's our secondary because they have they have a pretty good quarterback coming back. Absolutely. Too, so. 
now I, I mean, you guys both start on defense as well. Vonte, you led the way. Ty with Adrian for four tackles. And uh, Mason, I believe you picked off a pass, didn't you? Yeah. Absolutely. So two-way stars here with me tonight, Mason Leonard, Avante Lockhart. Great game against Mifflin, and we look forward to another great week next week against Springford. We're looking Thank forward you. to it, too. Looking forward to it right. as well. Thanks. Are you ready? All right, joining me now, our first regular season coach interview. We heard from him in the preseason. Always a great interview. And uh, tonight, Coach, I know it was rough seeing them score near the end. You lose the shutout, but you have to be happy with the way your first team played tonight. Yeah, they played extremely well. Um, you know, you can put all the X and O's on the whiteboard, but the bottom line is kids got to know it. And we had some more stuff we had that we didn't run tonight, but the kids executed so perfectly. I mean, they had one quarterback run early, and that's about like 10 yards. Other than that, we played well. So I'm really proud of the kids. Is there something you saw that they do or that they kind of give away that you just knew where to put your guys? Or is it just the uh, the discipline, the dedication, the strength that your uh, front seven have shown the first two weeks? I think that's a big part of it. Um, I mean, we, we felt as if with certain motions they do and certain alignments they had that we could get some advantages um, and put the, put the people to the point of attack. And I think they did a really nice job doing that. Um, but up front, we are so physical. I mean, I'm not going to say we're the best, but we're, we're pretty good right now up front. And it's going to be tough to run the ball on us. Were you surprised how few touches Nick Singleton got in the first half? Stunned is a better word. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, I thought he was the game. I mean, he's, if he gets his 100, it's tough to beat him. And he only had three carries at 10 yards at half. You know, and I think he ended up with nine carries for like 30-some yards or something like that. Which, But, yeah, he, he's a D1 football player. He's a stud. And we, we knew we had to take him out early. We thought him and the quarterback were going to beat us. And that should get the ball. Doing this uh, without Matt Fry in the secondary the first two weeks, but you had two teams that were physical in the trenches. They wanted to pound the ball. We're going to go 180 next week with Springford, yes. you know, a week to prepare, but you know, what are you thinking right now heading into the, uh, the spread them out, throw a deep uh, passing game you're probably going to see? Um, we did a real nice job this, this summer learning all these things and going against all the spreads and doing different things. Um, we'll see more speed at defensive line now for us. We got, you know, Capitano, Schroofer, Colorado, Ethan, Ashbroth, that we call him Colorado. It's easier. <laughs> um, but we got some speed guys who can also, also rush a pass for a little bit, so they'll definitely be part of the game plan next week. All right. Well, I think that's all we have tonight. A huge victory for the Bulldogs, 61-14 to over rival Mifflin, the most points ever scored by one team in the rivalry. So thank you, Coach Wolber, for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you very much. Have a great night. All right, last interview of the night. We're here with Wilson, head coach Doug Doms. Coach, that was uh, quite the effort in every phase of the game. Once again, second week in a row, you got total effort, offense, defense, special teams. Wasn't as close as the la last week, but, um, you know, coming out with a victory like this, most points ever scored by any team in the rivalry, and, uh, but you wouldn't be doing your job if there wasn't something you want to work on. So tell us something you want them to work on heading into spring forward. I think we were a little soft in our coverage. You know, we got to tighten our coverage up a little bit. I think we still got to keep working on reading keys. Um, outside linebackers, you know, I didn't think did a really good job recognizing the option game, you know. Uh, defensively, those are some things we got to work on. Offensively, we got to keep working on sustaining our blocks. Uh, you know, they're coming off the blocks a little too fast. And, uh, you know, we, we threw the ball well, but there were some receivers that there was a couple times that we were open and, and missed. So, you know, I mean, that's going to happen with a young quarterback, but the more he, that's why we had to throw. You know, got to get him ready because sooner or later we're going to have to throw. You're obviously confident in your game plan going in. It worked perfectly. Was there anything that Mifflin did or didn't do that surprised you? 
No, I think they pretty much played into our game plan was very good. You know, Ernie did a great job with the defensive game plan and, uh, you know, uh, played right into it. And, and Jeremy and the offensive coaches did a great job there. And um, we executed it well. I was a little concerned because that first week of school, practice is always sluggish. Focus and concentration aren't always the greatest. And I was worried we'd make a lot of mental mistakes. But I think for the most part, um, we'll look at the film, but for the most part, we executed well. Is there uh, anything that you want to let the fans know about what to expect from Springford, just kind of an idea of what they're going to see next week? Well, it's a totally different kind of offense. I mean, you know, we've went two weeks now where teams tried to run the ball against us, running into our strength. Now next week we're going into four and five wides, uh, throw the ball over the field. Um, you know, we'll be obviously still be missing Matt Fry, so it's going to be a real challenge for some of our uh, twos to step it up. And uh, it'll be a totally different kind of football game. Well, fans, coaches, players all feeling good after the first two weeks of Wilson football in 2019. Quite the start to our 75th season. Feels good so far. All right, Let's well, hope it keeps on going. Congratulations, Coach. Good luck next week, and hopefully uh, we'll talk to you again then. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so imagine what Coach Doms would have had to say if it was a loss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean – he had a lot to say after he, a 61 he, to 14 victory. He was prepared for the what do we need to work on yet uh, yeah. question. Well, he's the head coach. That's his job. And, and, and you know. anyone that has ever talked to him, and this is not just football. This is pretty much anything. Um, he's not at all surprised by the answer. So <laughs> he he usually has a list of ways where things can be better. The last thing to do before we move completely to spring forward is award our player of the game. Last week, we left it up to the um, the audience. They they kind of chipped in. You know, we were back and forth between offensive line, defensive line. We mentioned Troy Corson. And in the end, uh, most people uh, kind of leaned the way that we were leaning, and we went with the offensive line. So the five seniors in the offensive line, they were our players of the game for the week one win against Central Dolphin. But for week two, we are going to uh, – Go with an individual. There were a lot of options. Yeah, you know, it was, again, it was tough for different reasons. You know, like the the stats weren't necessarily mind blowing in week one, but when you watched it, you were blown away by performances. You know, like there were yeah. there were really exceptional performances across the line, but that nine minute drive in week one kind of that sealed the sealed deal it, yeah. to me. Like it was a great game, but that nine minute drive to ice the game sealed it. And this week, it's just super tough because. Right, I mean, the Avanti, was spread. Uh, right. Avanti, I mean, basically putting the game away with his three touchdowns immediately. Yeah. Like he ended the game with those three. Mason was kind of the exclamation point, getting two on his end on offense, also picking off a pass. Right. Then Brady hauling in these deep throws, getting two touchdowns himself. Caleb giving him the ball in that manner, allowing right. him to do so. He, uh, the whole defense as a whole, right, limiting exactly. that explosive Nick Singleton and, and the, off, the Mifflin offense basically did nothing until the middle of the fourth quarter when they, those guys were done. Coach Wolver was down on the sideline by middle of the third quarter. Yeah. It, it turned it over to assistant coaches to get their guys who they're familiar with relay the plays and tell them what mm -hmm. to do. It, it was no longer Palm and Wolver. It was the, 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 the next group of assistants were leading the, were leading the team. Right. So, uh, but where do you go with this? So, uh, we're actually thinking outside of the box here because while the three of them, four of them that we mentioned all had incredible games, um, you know, we, we kind of thought we'd uh, go a little bit of a different direction here. Um, someone who did score, it is someone who had a touchdown, but sometimes it's important to remember the guys on the team that 
don't always see their names in the paper, but contribute so much behind the scenes and are a key cog in the development uh, of a team. And, you know, there, there's a lot of unheralded seniors that don't get to do that much. Right. And when they get to get on the field and do something and you see how excited everyone oh, on the sidelines and the student section gets. It gives me chills talking right. about it now. And I didn't realize it as I was snapping the pictures because I, you know, when I'm looking through my camera lens, it's tough sometimes to see what's going on. I just want to get the picture. And luckily, I got the picture of this. And it was an incredible moment to see the reaction from everyone on the field and in the stands. So this week, our player of the game for his contributions to the program thus far is senior wide receiver defensive back Eamon Kenny against Mifflin. He had the one catch for three yards and the touchdown. He had an additional rush for eight yards in which he wouldn't go down. It took right. a swarm of Mifflin defenders to get him there. He threw in a little uh, spin move, which I caught as well. Um, and as has been mentioned by his teammates, that he is someone that always is putting himself on the back burner when it comes to what the team needs. It's always team first with him. So we're going with Eamon Kenny as our player of the game against Governor Mifflin. And, and that's awesome. And I think um, you could see it, like you mentioned, during the game, um, how happy his teammates were for him, how happy uh, the fans and, and the student section uh, were for him. Like it was awesome to see, um, you know, see someone that, that puts in so much hard work and, like you said, doesn't necessarily get. Um, get their name in the paper the way, you know, somebody that's going to touch the ball, you know, 15 times a game does or something like that. It it was awesome to have the opportunity um, to reward guys who work so hard and get their chance to um, their chance to shine. And man, did he make the most of it, you yeah. know, a um, few touches, but got in the end zone. And like you said, there, the way he was running um, and the way he, you know, he got it and then head up field, like, they they weren't going to stop him. It took it took a whole group of guys to try and bring him down. Uh, he was not going to be denied. And what an awesome experience! What an awesome memory! And not just like not just a random game either. The the Wilson Mifflin game, you know, like to get to do right. that exactly. in the Wilson Mifflin yeah. game is is incredible and something I'm sure will stick with him uh, for a long time. Um, and so yeah, it's awesome. And just that that mentality of kind of doing whatever it takes and you know just seeing it through, you know, it, it, I'm sure there have been some tough times, uh, for him, you know, just as you, you go through practice and, and all that stuff, but to stick it out and uh, to then finally get your moment it is pretty awesome. So, uh, congratulations on an awesome game. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Congratulations to Eamon Kenny. And, um, we look forward to seeing his contributions on the field the rest of the season, as well as those four guys and units that right. could have easily it, been it, player it was, of the game. It was very hard to pick, um, but in a game where it was kind of just so – there were numbers – you could use the numbers to justify anybody. We kind of went with those intangibles that we talk about a lot. Right. You know, we talk about those things a lot, but it's hard to kind of quantify them. So when we get the chance to recognize that, I think it's awesome that we that we're, uh, got that chance to kind of um, – see something tan a tangible result from those yeah. um untangible skills intangible and hopefully we'll see get to see a few more uh seniors that don't get to produce as often get yeah. that chance this year as the team keeps taking things. care of business right. in, in the first three quarters Absolutely. so all right so w wilson's next game is this friday september 6th we're going down the royals for to play spring forward and 
The Rams are off to a one-on-one start. They lost in week one to Central Bucks South. This was at home at Springford, 34-24, before rebounding this past week against Harry S. Truman from Philadelphia. They beat up on Truman pretty good, 58-19. to But the, um, the, the Rams... They had they got hit by graduation for sure, but they did return a, a pretty decent amount on offense. Um, they, they have experience and some depth there. Uh, eight offensive starters back from last year. Six returning on defense, but they were thin in the secondary, and Central Buck South took advantage of that in the week one setback for the Rams. Um, but, but when you have your starting quarterback, receiver, and offensive top offensive lineman back, you're expecting the offense to be able to put up some points, and they've been able to do that. Twenty four in week one, and what did I say, fifty eight, fifty nine in week two. Yeah. So because of their offensive methodology, with uh, former Wilson coach Chad Brubaker there, this I believe is his tenth year with the Rams wow. now, if you can believe that. And you heard uh, Coach Wolber and Coach Doms mention that this is going to be, you know. Completely different from the first two weeks playing Central Dolphin and Governor Mifflin. Spring forward is four or five wide receiver sets. They're going to want to spread you out, mix it up, some trick plays, deep passes. And the secondary where Wilson maybe doesn't have as much depth and is suffering from that injury to Matt Fry, it's going to be a test for them. So you're going to see your normal people playing in the secondary right now, Eli Rotenberg and Mason Leonard. Uh, Troy Corson, but you're going to definitely see a lot of Alex Gibble this week. You could see some Brady Gibble out there and maybe even quarterback Caleb Brown returns to the defensive secondary just to uh, counteract what Springford is going to throw at the Bulldogs this week. So uh, they play in the Pioneer Athletic Conference. They're in the Liberty Division. Uh, and Coach Brubaker has really gotten that that team to be a consistent challenger for the division crown and make some noise in the district playoffs as well. So Coach Brubaker, while he's been with Springford, has not yet beaten Wilson. And we know after talking to the coaches in the preseason that that is always one that uh, that he's looking for. Well, we've talked about it too with these with this group of Wilson kids that you know were looking to beat Central Dolphin because they the, this group had had never beaten them. Well, you, you know that those feelings aren't unique to Wilson kids. You know, like right. the situations may be unique, but they're not unique to Wilson kids. So uh, when you look down at Springford, I am certain that they are going to be fired up and ready right. to go and their quarterback ryan engro he's the returning quarterback he's already uh thrown for 530 yards in two games six touchdowns wow. to two interceptions uh he has a quarterback rating of over 100 um and his number one target returning target was expected to be dante bonani uh and uh, he is definitely fulfilling that uh role 14 catches for 192 yards through the first two weeks of the season season, excuse me. Um, the running back that's getting the most carries is number six, Armonte Haynes. He has 192 rushing yards in the first two games, also scoring two touchdowns. So offensively, they could be a problem for, for Wilson. Uh, unlike the first two teams that you heard coach Tom say it played into Wilson's strength, you know, that front seven or eight guys along the defensive line and at the linebacker position, were able to stuff, uh, Timmy Smith and Nick Singleton or anything that Mifflin threw at us. It's a little bit different this week. And yeah. we're going to have to see that secondary step up. And we're finally going to see maybe more of a rotation at tackle. You could probably see Vanino and Keller move inside and allow some of the speed rushers to play on the end in juniors, Ethan Capitano and Matt Schrufer. Yeah. You, you know, you look at it, what, what you have, what you're going against is, is going to 
be very different, um, which isn't to say that you're going to not need the guys that have stepped up the last few weeks. You certainly are going to need those guys. But at the same time, uh, you're going to need some of the guys who, like you said, it hasn't necessarily played um, to their to their strengths the last couple of weeks. They've had to do different things. Um, they may be asked to do more in these games, you know, so um, there weren't a, there wasn't a whole lot of drop back and pass, you know, central dolphin did some uh, in, in week one. Uh, there wasn't much of that uh, this past week, but you know, there's going to be some of that on, on Friday. Um, and if, if you're not able to get pressure up front, then that creates all kinds of issues on the back end. And so those are the things that, um, you know, while not necessarily things they've had to face so far, they're certainly going to have to face those here. And like you said, you got to stay on your toes because Coach, Coach Brubaker is going to have them all, like ready to go. Um, and they'll know all the wrinkles and all that stuff. So they're going to be prepared. And uh, again, like kind of visiting earlier in the show, it was great to see, you know, a, a really solid performance on Friday night, but that's done now you know like right. um and that's great and that's something you can think back to but there aren't really you don't ever stand still like every week like all right so they made a step from the scrimmage to week one you know they made a big step forward and then i'd say they took another step forward this week well like if you don't follow it up with a good performance at springford you're not it's kind of depending on how that goes you know it, you can play well sometimes and the other team just plays better um but you want to keep building on the on the solid performances. You don't want to just you know coast because that's when uh, things can start to go south. So if they continue to improve, we we mentioned and Coach Thomas mentioned a whole list of things that he has in mind to, to work on. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there were many more too. But like there are things to get better. While Friday night showed the strengths you know it was not perfect it never is going to be perfect but like you want to strive for that uh perfection so when when you keep going uh keep building and have that in in mind uh that will that will kind of help them continue to build basically like you're playing to your own standard not the standard of the other right the other team and the players and well, coaching staff's already turned the page. The players will turn the oh page tonight as they go over the Mifflin film and they get ready for Springford, and then it's full on well, for uh, Rams 2.0 here. You heard Coach Wolber talk about, well, yeah, we started prepping for some of this in the summer. Yeah. You know, like, not just – and this is this is why – Yeah, I know I'm not talking necessarily a lot of the people we talk to, but sometimes you see, like, see stuff that people aren't huge on the 7-on-7 seven seven camps and like, all that stuff, but listen, you, you need to be able to – do that and you also need to be able to defend that because you're going to face it you know like um and so you you better be ready (laughs) right (laughs) so and they will be and i expect them to be yeah oh yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be another fun one down at royce ford wilson spring ford this friday september 6 seven o'clock down at the home of the rams so but I think that's about it. That should wrap up episode already episode nine of our fifth season and the way things are going. You know, we uh, we have the potential to get in the high teens of shows this year if we continue doing one per week, which is the goal. And uh, look forward to covering them for you know another two and a half months. Hey, maybe even longer. Wouldn't that hey, be great? That would be great. That would be great. If we're still doing this show in December, it was a good year. Oh my gosh, it's a fantastic <laughs> year. And I know that I know that's what the players have their overall sight set right. on, but they do know, as we've said multiple times this episode, 
week by week. All right, that's right. So let's, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to start getting to work shortly on uh, on this upcoming week. Absolutely, plenty of work to do. So uh, thank you again to our new sponsors, uh, Tofers. And the anonymous sponsor who has joined up again, uh, I believe, right after last week's show. So I wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned them, you know, mentioned yeah. as well. They want me to keep it anonymous. We appreciate but it. We thank all of our sponsors and anyone uh, that has helped us out over the last few years. We will be back in a week to recap the Springford game and preview the Manheim Central game. But I think that's everything. So, yeah, I so. for uh, the Wilson Football Program and Justin Raffoff, I'm Joe Mays. Until next time, just remember... Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.